although it was not Jesus himself, but his disciples who baptised, he left Judea and started back to Galilee. But he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a Samaritan city called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired out by his journey, was sitting by the well. It was about noon. A Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. His disciples had gone to the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have no bucket, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us the well, and with his sons and his flocks drank from it? Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. The water that I will give will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I may never be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come back. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you say that the place where people must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father seeks such as these to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will proclaim all things to us. Jesus said to her, I am he, the one who is speaking to you. This is the word of the Lord. Helen, thank you very much. Let's pray together. May I speak in the name of the living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Today is a very special day for Madison, for her family, for her friends, for her parents, grandparents, and godparents. And I'm sure each and every one of you have hopes and dreams for Madison. Hopes for a happy life. Dreams for her to be healthy, successful. 
dreams for her to live a full, content, and satisfied life. And each and every one of us have the same sorts of dreams. Whether we're the youngest here today or the oldest, whether it's the first time you've ever stepped foot in a church or you've been here for decades, every one of us wants a satisfying life. And this morning, in this passage, we hear a conversation between Jesus and a Samaritan woman. And fittingly, for a baptism service, it's all about water. Did you notice it? Jesus talked about baptism at the beginning of the service. He's tired and thirsty, so he goes to a well to get water. And when he's there, what does he do? He talks to a woman who's also thirsty, wants water, and they talk about living water. At a simple level, this story is simply about water and being thirsty. But there's a much deeper level to this story. Jesus said in verse 13, you might want to follow along page 91, Jesus said these words, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. And in many ways, we know what Jesus means. We're thirsty, you might be thirsty here this morning, it's quite warm, you'll be thirsty throughout the day. I'm told if Madison lives until she's 80, she will drink about 87,600 litres of water. On average. So here is our first water today. It's called simply this water. And if we drink this water, we get thirsty again. You'll have a drink of water today, you'll drink later in the day, you'll drink tomorrow, and so on and so forth. But the thing is, we're all actually thirsty in another way. Madison, as she grows up, one of her favourite words will be more. And again and again. And if you've got kids, you know those words. More, again, again. But actually, as we grow older, more is one of the mantras of our lives. We're thirsty people. And so we want more money. We want more clothes. We want maybe better houses. We want better partners. We want more money, more stuff, more friends, more recognition. We're thirsty people. And so we think, if only I had that holiday, or if only I was like that person, or if only I had those things, then I'd be satisfied. Everyone is thirsty. I, I don't know if we realize this, but even the most successful, the most famous, the most popular, the richest people in our world, they, even they, say they're thirsty. So, someone like Madonna. She's had quite a good life, I'm sure we'd agree. Madonna says, even though I have become somebody, I still have to prove that I am somebody. My struggle has never ended, and I guess it never will. She's a thirsty person. What about Jim Carrey, celebrated actor? He said this, I wish everyone could get rich and famous and have everything they ever dreamed of so that they would know it's not the answer. Now, I've done the actions today. I'm only going to sing for you now. But you know this song? I can't get no da -da -da satisfaction. I'm going to stop there. You'll be glad to know. But Rolling Stones sing that they can't get no satisfaction. Everyone's thirsty. Everyone. And this is what C.S. Lewis, the author of Narnia, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, this is what he said about this idea that actually we're all thirsty people. 
most people, if they had really learned to look into their own hearts, would know that they desperately want something that cannot be had in this world. And he says even the best of things in life, even the best of marriages and relationships, of families, of jobs, of holidays, he says they still leave us thirsty. And he says, in the end, most people have two options. One is, we keep chasing the rainbow, keep trying to find something to satisfy our thirst. Or, he says, we become cynical. And we think there's no such thing as ultimate satisfaction. And we just have to put up with the life that we've got. But Jesus this morning offers us something very, very different. The Christian answer is, a baby is hungry, and so there's such a thing as food. A baby duckling wants to swim, and so there's such a thing as water. You and I are thirsty people, and so there is such a thing as satisfaction. Lasting satisfaction, true satisfaction. And perhaps you never thought you'd hear the name Russell Brand in a church before, but the comedian, the actor, the author Russell Brand, he says this about thirsting and satisfaction. All of us have a thirst, have a yearning. And all thirst and all desire is the inappropriate substitute for the ultimate desire to be at one with God. Russell Brand uses big words, flowery words. But did you hear what he's saying? He's saying all of our thirsts in life actually are thirsting for the ultimate desire to be at one with God. And Jesus in this story today, he says, I am the answer to your thirst. Everyone's thirsty, but only Jesus can satisfy. This is what Jesus says, verse 13 and 14 in our passage today. He says, everyone is thirsty, and whoever drinks this water will be thirsty again. But those who drink of the water that I give will never be thirsty The water that I give will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. Jesus looks at this woman in the eye. He looks into this woman's heart, this woman who's been looking for love and life in many places. We hear she's had five husbands. And Jesus says to her, I am the answer to your heart's longings. I am the one you have been thirsting for your whole life. Now imagine this for a moment. Imagine today if we can give Madison a drink that means she will never ever thirst again in her life. Or imagine even better, we can give Madison something today which promises her satisfaction forever. Would we want to give it to her? Would you as the family and friends long for that for Madison? If you were offered today ultimate satisfaction now and forever, wouldn't you take it? Well, this is what Jesus is offering us today. This living water. So here's the second bottle. It's called living water. And Jesus says, you will never be thirsty again. Now, what what is Jesus talking about? What what is he going on about? Verse 10, he says, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you this living water. 
Now, I'm sure lots of us are thinking, how on earth can Jesus be the one that satisfies us? The last place in the world we think we're going to find satisfaction is in God. And interestingly enough, the woman thought the same. In the story, I imagine her like a bit of a straight-talking Yorkshire lass. She says to Jesus, Sir, you have no bucket. And she says that the well is deep. And so she asks, where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Abraham or Jacob? She's she's saying to Jesus, who do you think you are? That you're the answer to my thirst. But Jesus still says, verse 14, everyone who drinks the water that I give them will never be thirsty. The water that I give will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. I don't know what you're expecting today when you came for the baptism and the water for Madison. But Jesus offers each and every one of us today living water that can satisfy us forever. And I must admit, I'm someone who hasn't always thought this is true. I'm someone who thought, actually, Jesus and God leads to a watered-down life. And so I looked for life and satisfaction in academic success, in work, in relationships, in sporting achievements. But they honestly just left me dry, empty, and thirsty. They were good things. They were great times. But they didn't leave me satisfied. And I have found in Jesus Christ satisfaction for my hungry, thirsty, dry heart. And this is what he offers each and every one of us today. But we're thinking, why Jesus? Why can he offer us this living water? What is it about him? I mean, he lived 2,000 years ago. How can he satisfy us, you, today? Well, let's think a little bit more about water. At the moment, we have some of the driest weather in England in decades. I was out at reservoirs yesterday. One of them doesn't exist at the moment. Such is the dry weather we've had. One scientist I read this week said this. If we were to ask, what is the most important substance in existence for humanity, the answer is undoubtedly water. So when Jesus offers us living water, he is making the astonishing claim that he is the most important thing in the world. We need water to live. Madison is about 60% water. And so is everyone else here today. We need water to live, and without water, we wither and die. And the Bible describes God as the fountain of living water. And Jesus is saying, I am that living water. I am God come to earth to reconnect you with your maker. I am the God who knows you and who loves you and can satisfy your thirst. At the beginning of John's Gospel, John, the author, makes this astonishing claim that Jesus is the one by whom everything was made. So everything you enjoy in life comes from Jesus. Your next heartbeat, your next breath, 
We, we only have it. I only have it because of Jesus. And so if we go without Jesus, then we wither and die on the inside. That's why we're thirsty and empty. But Jesus is the one our hearts were made for. And so he offers us this living water that means we will never, ever thirst again. And he says all we've got to do is ask him for it. When I was 13, I had the privilege of going to Uganda to visit my oldest brother. Jonathan was a water engineer. I hear Wayne's been in the engineering industry. And my brother was in the engineering world. He was a water engineer. And he worked in South Uganda, taking water to villages where they had none. And I remember one occasion driving along the dusty roads, very sheer drops, terrified for my life, looking out on these tiny little villages so far from anywhere. And as we got to the villages, these people were so glad, so thankful to be given fresh, clean water. And Jonathan, my brother, worked for a charity called Tearfund. And on all their vans and Range Rovers, on all their T-shirts as they went out to the villages, they had a slogan saying this, Water is life. Jesus is the water of life. Jesus is the water of life. He is the one who can satisfy our thirst. And so as I draw to a close, what, what are we going to do with this ourselves? What, what will we do about what Jesus says? Well, I'm sure some of us have all sorts of questions. We don't believe it's true. And you're like the woman at the beginning of the story. Well, let me invite you to find out more about Jesus. Come back to church. Church isn't a place for moral people or who are people who are better than you. Church is simply thirsty people who are found where living water truly is. But maybe some of you here today, you came for the waters of baptism, but you've heard, heard about the living water that Jesus offers, and you say, you know what, I want some of this. I want this in my life. I want to be reconnected to the God who knows me and loves me. So what have we got to do? Well, think about a drink. How do we receive a drink? We simply take it and take it inside us. That's all we do. We take from what is outside us and we bring it into the center of our life. And Jesus, later on in this gospel, he says, everyone who thirsts, come to me. Believe in me and you will have eternal life. And so this morning, we can take Jesus who is alive and here present with us and we can say to him, yes, I want Jesus to come into the center of my life to know his living water, his satisfaction, to know the God who made me and loved me. And if we're a Christian, we can do that again today. I was thinking about this. Jesus says that he will give living water that springs up to eternal life. And with springs, sometimes they can get blocked, can't they? Other things can build on top of them so that you can no longer access the water. And it made me think, sometimes we can take this water 
the water of this world, trying to find satisfaction and the quenching of our thirst in different things, we can put that on top of Jesus' water of life that he gives us. And so today, even if we're Christians, we can turn again from water that doesn't satisfy us to Jesus Christ, the living water, who truly satisfied. And maybe there are circumstances in our life, challenges, troubles, trials, that mean this well is blocking up. And I want to say today, Jesus is with us in those. And his water of life can continue to bubble up in and through those challenges. And so this morning, for all of us, however we came this morning, Jesus says, every one of us is thirsty. And only Jesus can satisfy. Let's pray together.